We got a couple minutes uh, past the hour. Welcome to the Ignite Connect call. Uh, appreciate you guys getting on. We have an amazing, amazing uh, panel of guests here today. I'm very excited about it. Before we get started, though, uh, going to remind everybody about two things. Uh, so we have uh, two free workshops coming. They are business planning for 2023. Uh, you don't want to miss this. One is for your realtors. One is for uh, you guys, right? Uh, Walker, want to jump in on that? This is this is kind of your baby. Uh, you want to tell everybody a little bit about it? Yeah, sounds good. So on the 7th, we've got a realtor business planning. We're bringing in a national real estate business coach uh, to go over the fundamentals of driving a profitable real estate business. I've got a nice workbook that's going to come with it. So a, a great situation. It's free to you. Invite your agents, hold it in your conference room. Um, whole lot of fun, whole lot of follow-up after the fact that you'd be able to do with them. And then on Saturday, we're doing the same business planning we did in November. So if you didn't have a chance to join us in November, join us on Saturday and it'll be nine central and uh, and we're going to have business planning for LOs on Saturday. So if you go to our website under events, both of these are posted there. You can register there. Cost you nothing to get in and we guarantee it'll be worth your time. Yeah. Hey, Walker, too. Uh, the, in total expert, there is an invite, correct? That people can send. Yes. Out. So we've been working hard on that and so, so thrilled that Beth uh, uh, helped us out with that. Yeah, if you go into Total Expert, the invite for your agents is actually in there. You can push it directly from Total Expert after your agents. Okay. And will you put a link in the chat for everybody for that, please? Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Also, uh, Income Calc Pro 2 uh, is almost full. There's only a couple spots left on that. Uh, so if you are or you want your LOA uh, to know everything about tax returns income and all those complicated things that I personally know nothing about, uh, you want to get you want to get them on that call. We'll put the link in there. Uh, it's eight sessions on that, and uh, they will come out as an expert. They'll have an MBA in uh, in income. So uh, pretty pretty excited about that stuff too. Uh, so again, don't miss either one of those, uh, especially the business planning. Those are free, guys. Those are completely free. So uh, all right, Kathy, I'm tossing over to you. Who do we have today? I appreciate it. So I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. We have some really great top producers and you know, I've, I've, I've noticed in the context of a lot of my conversations right now that there are some common objections or threads that run throughout what everyone is, is sort of challenged by these days. And so it occurred to me that it would be interesting to get the take of some of our top producers on some of those challenges and not only relative to the challenges, but people in different regions, because I think regionally there may be some distinctions. So I'm really excited to start out with, um, with Pierce. So Pierce, um, year to date has closed 160. 16 units for 83 million. And Pierce, you and I had a conversation about kind of how you, you set up a um, sort of a system around the initial interview and allowing that ish, initial interview to prompt you as far as you how you handle the transaction and objections going forward. So can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, the main objection we kind of went over was just obviously rate. Um, you know, right now is an interesting time because, uh, money's tight and you know when I was thinking about this with my team it's like we're we sell service we are excellent at doing loans um, and it feels like right now a lot of times or it feels like clients don't want to afford service right now or feel like they can't um, just because of inflation what's going on economically in the news whatever so when on the first call, there's three kind of buckets that we view leads or 
uh, a borrower's in at the outset. There's, we are always going to get this deal unless we screwed up, did something wrong. It's kind of bucket one. Bucket two is we were never going to get this deal because we were never the sharpest on price. And there's bucket three, which is in the middle, which is kind of depends on how we do, depends on price, depends on service. Those, that bucket is really the ones we're, we're trying to capture the most from. Um, and because right now we're trying to identify the client and which three buckets are you in? Um, because we don't want to waste time, frankly. We don't want to waste clients' time. We don't want to waste uh, my time, team's time. So we want to allocate resources uh, properly um, so we can, you know, um, not waste anybody's time. So identifying from the outset, are they in that bucket where it's like, we were never going to win that deal just because we're not the most aggressively priced. So a lot of conversations I have, especially if their first conversation, the first question is, well, what's your rate? Um, I try to ask questions to the client that let them know or kind of uncover that they don't really know what they're talking about. Start asking questions about how long, um, um, how far in the process are you? How many people have you talked to? Have you ever purchased a home? Um, are you pre-approved? Are you pre-underwritten? Um, are you just pre-qualified? So start asking these questions and try to understand how um, literate is the client in, in mortgages? Did they just start Googling? Or have they talked to five different people? Have they been pre-approved with five different lenders, trying to understand right away, where is this client coming from? Um, and when it comes down to overcoming that objection, it, you're never gonna be able to rationalize the difference in rate. You're never gonna be able to say, hey, seven's better than six and a half. So what, what we're trying to get at in the first call, what I'm trying to get at is, um, getting past kind of just pure logic and getting tapping into emotion and empathy. Because a lot of, as we all know, a lot, a lot of folks make, or most folks make decisions based on emotion and empathy. Um, and so what I'm trying to educate the client on in that first call is, I'll, I'll sometimes even say, hey, look, we're not gonna be the lowest price. I can guarantee you that. But what, but what I can also guarantee is we're going to provide an elite level of service. And what that means is we're going to be available when you're available, nights and weekends. We're going to fully underwrite your file before you start looking at houses. They, and depending on if they know what that means, I'll, I'll dig into that and why that matters. Um, and you're going to have the power of my team's reputation in this market to be able to help you win deals and close on time and have a relationship with us for the rest of your mortgage life, however long that is. So I know there was kind of a lot in there, but in the first five minutes of the first call, I'm trying to determine, okay, is this, am I, or what I just talked about, is that gonna get through to this client or are they purely like, hey, you're the fifth lender I've talked to today. What's your rate? I'm making this decision on rate. And frankly, I mean, I, I had two conversations yesterday that were exactly that. It's like they were under contract. They, they were this was the, the third or fourth lender they talked to. And it's, uh, I just understood, but we're not going to win that deal. So it's kind of 
understand you're not going to win every deal, move on, get to the next one. But that, that bucket three where it's like, okay, they make decisions. Rate's going to be a piece of it, but also you have to be able to hammer home and, and articulate the value of what you're providing to them in terms of service and why that matters. And Pierce, you talked a little bit, I thought it was an interesting concept where you talked about, you know, online internet, uh, some um, other lenders that may be very focused on rate may have a very different focus relative to bottom line versus client focus. So can you kind of go into what that looks like and why client focus or client centric, which is where we come from at Fairway is impactful for them? Yeah. Um, so I'll educate them on what's going on in the market right now in terms of like a mortgage market and sit and talk about what we just came out of, like glory days, loans falling out of the sky. To all of a sudden, lenders are fighting tooth and nail for every single deal. Um, what that creates is sloppy work with a lot of lenders, a lot of loan officers, because they're willing to just be yes men. They're willing to just say, yes, here, here's your pre-approval. I want your business. What that creates is a situation where you're going to be out there looking and not have your, your, your financing fully, fully approved. You're not going to be in a position to be, um, to make your strongest offer. So I'll talk about, I'll, I'll bring up situations that have happened in the past month about of where we have, uh, deals referred into us. And it's like, Hey, I was referred by, um, pick an online lender, pick a credit union, pick a bank. But they were three weeks into the process and it turns out, oh yeah, we, we can't do your deal because of something on your tax return. It's like, well, did they ask for your tax return up front? And kind of planting the seeds of doubt with borrowers that you don't know everything that goes into this. And in, in our market, specifically we're in the Seattle market, we deal with a lot of folks that um, think they're really special. I guess I would say, you know, I deserve a loan, which, you know, work at Microsoft, Google, Amazon, pick one, um, you know, make good money, have good credit. And that might be the case. They might be a very easy loan to do, but bringing up stories about clients where that wasn't the case is really the only way I've found is to get through to those people to try to tap into like, the market out there is very dynamic and it's not as simple as just saying, yep, thanks, you work at Microsoft, here's a loan. So because of the, the market that we're in and, and lenders getting very aggressive and in some cases desperate, creates sloppy work. Well said. And the, and the last thing I just wanted to, I'm going to paraphrase something that I that you told me that I thought was of great value. So in the context of having that conversation with the client, I love the line you use. You don't have enough time to find the lowest rate as there are thousands of lenders, but here's what I can do. So switch that focus because it's absolutely true. You could call for the rest of your life and never find the lowest rate, but what we can do, right? So reframing yeah. it back to here's where I'm different. Here's what I can do. Time kills a deal. So basically the the value of my interaction with your listing agent is very, very impactful, especially in a season where everybody knows if a house ends up back on the market, that is not a good thing. 
it is not in the in the, the homeowner nor the listing agent's favor to have a house go back on the market. So because time is not in your favor, here are the things I'm going to do. I'm going to have everything done quickly. I'm going to be addressing your listing agent directly. I'm going to be keeping in contact with them to make sure everybody stays in their happy space. Those are things that someone who is focused on bottom line, whereby their staffing doesn't allow for them to have that element of interaction with all the parties in the transaction, that's where you're going to see the difference. So thank you, Pierce. Really great points. Really appreciate your insights. So I'm going to go ahead now and transition to Craig. So Craig's 60 million personal volume, 200 million for the team year to date. I imagine you see an objection now and again, or do they just kind of fall in your lap? Because we're really, really loving those numbers. So tell us how you got there. Well, they, they used to, right? I think we all used to get got so used to, you know, our marketing, our network, and we're just answering the phone if we wanted to, right? So the, the market's definitely shifted. And, and you know, I know everyone says my market, my market. Um, <laughs> kind of piggybacking off what, what Pierce was saying, you know, we're I'm in downtown Boston. Most of my business is, you know, within 30 miles of, of the city, right? So my clientele is probably very similar to what, what Pierce is just talking about. Um, you know, the ones that are entitled for mortgages, um, they don't think they need us uh, necessarily. Um, but, you know, what we what I wanted to focus on is, is that client that, you know, that went through our client experience, as we'll call it, right? The, the white glove service, whether it's your mother or your best realtor's friend, you know, they go through that same system. Um, and then for whatever reason, you know, they find that community bank or, or, or private bank that none of us have ever heard of that's just, you know, it just they just can't not go there. You know, we have some banks that are sometimes are two or three percent below what we could offer. And I think um, when we started experiencing this, it was easy for all of us to kind of throw our hands up and you know blame whatever, blame the market, blame uh, you know the Fed, blame our rates, blame whatever. Right? It was just too simple, too easy. But what we got to what we kind of took a step back, probably about three or four months ago. It was all right. You know, how did we get here in the first place? Right? How did we? build our business? What do we do? And again, we call it our client experience. And um, I kind of remembered something that was was said to me when I first got in the business about 20 years ago is that when you're working on someone's mortgage or helping someone buy a home, it isn't always that loan that you're working on, right? You're, you're working for their friends, their family, their co-workers. And if we truly believe that today, and, 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 and we're working on clients today that happen to find that 2% or, you know, I had one the other day, it was 3% below what we could offer. I mean, what are we going to do, right? Um, is, is that we still should put them through the same process, right? Still follow up on commitment dates, still follow up on closing dates, still let the agents know what's happening, and but almost support that borrower's decision. Now, again, these aren't leads, right? These are people that were either TBD approved or wants to work with us, but they just found that that community bank or local bank we're still doing everything that we normally would have done um, and support that decision because it is such a good deal. But then remind them, we're still going to be here for their friends, family, and, and still follow up with them post-closing. So we're sending them text message on commitment date. We're asking them, how is it going? We're sending them closing uh, the closing day text message. Hey, just checking. I hope everything went well. Um, but I think one of the important things that we've been adding recently is utilizing HomeBot again. And adding them to the new purchase within HomeBot, I, I had a client about a month ago, um, I think, I don't know, I've done four or five deals with her and she just had to leave. It was just too good of a transaction, jumbo purchase. And um, we signed her up and her response was, I'm glad you did because I love it on my current home. I didn't want to ask, right? So getting her back in our drip, getting her back into our system, our process has been super important because we're just going to lose some of these deals, right? 
the eighth or a quarter, I think all of us on here or, or been doing this um, know how to win those clients with service. Um, but sometimes, and, and as Pierce kind of mentioned, there's just those 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 banks or for whether they're desperate or whatever, where service doesn't matter. It's about the payment, right? It's about the cash. And, you know, we're doing everything we can up front to get away from rate, right? We're doing mortgage coach is a non-negotiable, um, you know, following up with the agents, following up with the buyer side, walking through the home buying process and our client experience. Um, but we're also now focusing on what happens if or when, you know, there's that banker community lender that just is just is buying the market or trying to for whatever reason. And so that's what we've been focused on the last three or four, you know, kind of a, we pivoted a little bit because we're still trying to add people to our database, right? Um, my biggest referral source over the last 10 years has been current and past clients. Well, these are still people that want to work with us. It's just for whatever reason, we can't help at this moment in time. Doesn't mean we can't in the future. So that's what we've been focusing on, on those loans we lose, right? Um, due to the, you know, the, the, the banks that are just, for whatever reason, just way too low, um, what we're seeing. Such great points. And, and the other thing that you had talked about, which I thought was really impactful, was how you still maintain contact with the realtor. But for your realtor to know that you're still invested in a client who, who for reasons well beyond your ability to offer service, had to make the decision to go somewhere else, doesn't negate the fact that you got your agents back, you got your realtors back, and you want to let them know consistently that at the end of the day, what's important to me is you and the client getting across the finish line. And yeah. I'm back here cheering for you, regardless of who has the opportunity to do that, because I'm not going anywhere. When everything changes, I'm still here. Well, that, and that's been a little tough, right? If we're honest, like back in, I don't know, a few months ago, I was like, oh my God, another one, right? Again, we've all been there. But, you know, I think we finally realized, you know what, like the realtor is on our side too. And, and we're having that honest conversation. I think what we started noticing a shift is when we started almost supporting the client's decision, right? Like they just found that great deal, you know? Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think our platform here at Fairway, we're not losing, if that's the right word, to like competitors, right? We're not losing to the the guarantee rates or the cross countries or the, you know, in our work, our world, um, uh, mortgage network, I guess, but, you know, these are the, these are banks we've never heard of, right? They're just coming in and, and they've never been a competitor in the last, let's call it 12 years since I've been at Fairway. They just are right now in a moment in time. So, you know, we're letting the agents know we're still here. We're still going to put the client through the service of, of the pre-approval process and that experience. So when they find that right home, they are ready and we're giving them the best service and answering all their questions. And we hope you guys can keep working with them in the future. Hey, and Kathy, can I, can I jump in real quick? I'm sorry. I got a question for Craig. Yeah. Uh, Craig, so you and I have talked over the years, right? And uh, you're a jumbo guy. You're all conforming stuff. Uh, you kind of shifted a little bit, right? You you uh, you got out of your comfort zone. Talk about you know what you did there. You used to make fun of me for all the bond loans I did, but go on. Yeah, I, it is so, and it's so true, right? Like I, I always joke with Austin, I, I can't even spell FHA or VA. I don't know what a bond or DPA are. Like I don't know what that is, right? But we have really, really shifted and moved, as I'll say, inland from from Boston, and really all of our clients we've been helping have been bond programs right now and low down payment. And I mean, I, I think um, my very first loan I ever worked on was one hundred and three percent financing back in the good old days, right? You got three percent back. Well, now we have these bond programs that go to one hundred and five, and I had no idea really what they were because I couldn't that was my natural demographic the, those clients weren't buying where I live work and played now we had to kind of shift and kind of get outside of the city and really trying to focus on this and and it's been you know a little refreshing because you know what Pierce has mentioned before all those Microsoft and Amazon we have Facebook or whatever it's called now Meta we have that similar market here right 
those people are so entitled where, where those buyers are entitled, where now it's a little bit different where they're like, wait, I'm getting like, we just closed one yesterday as last one of our mass bond program. You got $42,000 as a non-repayable uh, grant, which was awesome, right? And he's like, I never thought I could buy it, which is definitely different shift than what I've been used to over the last call it 10 to 15 years. Really not easy though. Going in one's been it's been it's been definitely challenging, that's for sure. If you can do that after 15 years, everybody on this call can do that. Like that's you know, that's that's a that's a big shift. Uh and uh and and uh, but it's what has to be done right now. Yeah. So. And again, these the, the my the natural demographic where we are, they're going to come. It's a moment in time. And I think Jake and the executive team has such, such a good job and with all these ignite calls I'm talking about, it's just a moment in time, right? It's it's not whatever you want to say, 2008. And, you know, looking back, I don't remember 2008. I was too young and kind of dumb to remember that, right? That was the first year I originated, by the way, it was 2008. So um, I don't remember that. And I think in a year or two or hopefully six months, we're not going to remember now, right? So it's just keep doing the stuff we need to be doing to generate our pipeline, our database, and keep helping as many people as we can. Great stuff. Any other questions, Austin? Uh, no, but I, I'm going to, since Jake is out today, I'm going to blurt a couple more times. I have to, Please we have do. to have so many blurts. I was, was kind of uncomfortable with nobody blurting. So yeah, I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank yes. you. I was like feeling off my game. So appreciate that. Anytime. You, great points. Okay. Now we're going to go ahead and, and, and chat with Mike. So Mike, great numbers, 250 units, 105 million year to date. Um, tell us a little bit about your market and your approach to objections. So first and foremost, um, Pierce, I want your business. I mean, because hell, dude, you're averaging what seven hundred and fifty-one thousand per unit. <laughs> Has anyone else gone? <laughs> did anyone else do that math and said eighty-four? I'm like, did she? Did Kathy make a mistake here and, say, and, and, and literally tell me he's not averaging nearly a million on, alone? <laughs> so uh, I don't average a million alone. Um, it's a fun market. <laughs> yeah, my my market's a little bit more diverse. I'm a little bit more like. Craig is becoming. Um, I, I sometimes find the $70,000 loan in my pipeline, and sometimes I find the $700,000 loan in my pipeline, and some, sometimes the million five loan. So I got them all over the board. Um, you know, one of the prevailing things that everyone has kind of talked Hey, Mike, can you get closer to your microphone, maybe? Your feet, yeah. You sound really far off. Yeah, no worries. Sorry. Um, one of the things that everybody has kind of, um, I do raise my speaker up here a little bit. Sorry. Everyone is understanding first and foremost who you're talking to in order to overcome the objection. Um, because if your objections are different based on who your client is that you're having a conversation with. You know, so I always I always have this little thing here where I talk about the transition transitional phase or transactional phase versus the education phase. A transactional phase is someone who came to you via Zillow, um, Fairway Now, or Fairway um, Fairway First, um, Realtor.com, whatever. Those are people that are in a transactional phase. And what I mean by that is they decided today they're going to buy a home and they found a home on Zillow and now they want to go see it and they want to qualify for it and they want to buy it, right? They're finger tapping. That's Jake, right? Jake is going to buy a home in a transactional phase. He's just going to decide today he's going to buy a house. Um, those are transactional people. The way you have objections with them is vastly different than the way you have uh, an objection with someone who was referred to you, right? Someone referred to you, the agent refers you somebody or a friend or a family member and they hear about it. Any objections that they have, theirs are probably a little bit easier to overcome than the one who's with Zillow. And so I think I wrote down like the top three objections that we probably all have heard at some point. One, I'm already working with somebody. 
right? Called Zillow, I called Fairway first, I got up my lead, came through, and I'm saying, hey, you know, Kathy, how's it going? This is Mike over at Fairway. Hey, before you go anywhere, I'm already working somebody, right? Some people would look at that as a absolute no. And there's another way to look at it is it's not necessarily a no, it's all right, so convince me why I need to use you, right? Because it's a more definitive answer if I say, hey, Kathy, hi, this is Mike over at Fairway. I'd like to talk to you about doing a mortgage. No, thank you, period, right? That's just an end conversation. She ended the conversation. But by giving me something and qualifying her position, I have sort of an opening that you probably don't realize or may not even thought about. All right, you're already working with somebody. Great. Hey, listen, I'm, I, I respect that. I love the opportunity to tell you what we can do for you if you're open to it. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to commit to me and you don't have to pull credit. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to force the, the situation. You just have to get them to say something more than no. And that's really the mentality you have to go into that with. They didn't give you a no up front. Don't give them the reason to give you a no at all. And that's where you really need to be your salesperson. I love the opportunity to at least show you what we can do. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you got to commit to me. I'm sure you haven't really committed to someone because you're just in the educational phase. You're just looking at houses right now. Um, so I still got a chance to win you over and convince you to say yes. Um, and that's what I'm going to try, right? Make a joke out of it. Have fun. Build a relationship. If you get someone to laugh, you create an opportunity. If you get someone to say one more word to you other than no, you create an opportunity. That's what you have to focus on. Don't immediately go into a defensive stance or defensive posture. Oh, well, wait a minute. Um, now, who are you working with? Because we're better in rates. You don't know what they are. Uh, I, I was actually talking with one of my people that helped with recruiting today, and she was telling me some of the pushback that she's getting. I told her, I said, think about it from this perspective. We're in sales, right? You're in recruiting. If I'm a cold calling person, I'm the number one hated cold call person, right? How many people get cold calls from sales and you're like, oh, God, I don't want to listen to this call. No, I'm not interested. You hang up. Again, they didn't hang up on me. But we're the number one hated person because we're in sales by nature. We need to become at least two or three just to have a chance. And well, so, you know, think about it that, from that perspective. Don't try to seal the deal. You're just trying to win them over with opportunity. It does not necessarily mean closing alone with them. It doesn't necessarily mean getting them to commit to buying with you. It just means keeping them on the phone just long enough to listen to what you have to offer, right? Another common uh, objection we get, don't want to pull my credit. I've already got, a, I'm already working with somebody. Don't want to pull my credit. Uh, my bank already has my documents. How many times do you ever hear that my bank has all my documents? When have you ever submitted tax returns, W-2s, and pay stubs to your bank when you make a deposit into your account? Right. So again, hey, that's great. Um, one of the things that we find in local markets here that working with a local lender is a little bit more advantageous when you're getting your offer. One thing we can agree on is across the board, offers are still, there are still multiple offers on homes that are worth, worth their weight in gold, right? What we do know is that listing agents are our best friends in this. Listing agents tell everybody, I hate working with banks. I hate working with internet lenders. They even go far as saying, I hate working with brokers. Why? Because they don't understand what a broker is. They don't understand what an internet lender does. And they don't understand. They, all they know is that they don't have someone to come and yell at 
and, and they think they're going to come and yell in your office, right? They think, I want someone local, so if I got a problem, I can go yell at them. I can, I can trash their reputation. From our side point, hey, we have a reputation in the community that we have to build on. So listing agents tend to like to work with us a little bit better than internet lenders and banks, simply because of the fact that they can come in and yell at us if we've done something wrong. Again, to make a little bit of a joke about it, you're building on that friendship, which leads me into that last objection of the three, three I would say the three top objections we could share and tell what other objections are out there. I got a family friend, I got a family member who does mortgages already for a living. Great. If they got a family friend and they're already committed to that family friend or that family, that family member, whatever, you want to be that friend. You want to put yourself in that same bucket. And you do that by building a relationship with someone on the phone. Think of it as dating. You know, Kathy and I talked about this when we were previewing this call. You know, I look at this from a, as a dating aspect, right? I didn't marry you the first time we went out and met. So the mortgage, the consummation of a mortgage itself is the marriage. Application is an engagement. Getting to talk to them on the phone is the date, right? I mean, you know, think about it from that perspective. If I, if I, you call me immediately up and say, hey, here's my credit. I mean, and you guys can all raise your hand if you, if you agree with this one here. The person that calls you up and says, out of the blue, on Zillow, hey, Craig, I just want you to pull my credit right now. You know what the first thing goes in my brain? All right, how, excuse my language, how shitty is your deal? <laughs> if you want me to pull your credit, you're begging me. I mean, everybody else has turned you down, right? So I'm not going, oh, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I won them over without even asking them anything. <laughs> I didn't win you over. I'm the one who's dumb enough to pull your credit when everyone else didn't do it or everyone else has already turned you down, right? So you don't want to go to marriage from meeting to marriage. You don't need to go from meeting to mortgage to, to, to solidifying the deal. You got to build that relationship. And the one other thing that happens when you build a relationship they're less likely to cheat on you. Because how many other people, if you're in the transactional phase, it's not, it's a Zillow lead, it's a realtor.com lead. They're calling so many other people. They're just picking the next person in line. Sorry, guys, you're not special. But you got to make yourself special if you want to win this deal over. You want them to be, oh, you know what? A buddy of mine, Craig Barber, is already doing my deal. Buddy of mine, dude, I just talked to you for like about an hour on the phone. We're not buddies, but if you think so, sure, okay. That's what it is, right? That's the goal you got to go with. You got to build, you got to build that relationship. Objections can, can be overcome with relationships. And you've got the opportunity. You were given a name. A name is opportunity. In our business, a name is opportunity. What you do with that opportunity is up to you. You can squandle it. You can piss it away. You can do whatever you want to do. But if I walk into, if I always tell my people this, if I go to an event and there's 100 people in the room and all I do for a living is want to do mortgages, if I am there to work, I don't want to meet anyone but the people who can benefit from my service. That's my job, right? I don't want to sit there and talk to 99 other people about nothing to do with mortgages if I'm there to work. I want the one person in that room who wants to win some mortgage and is going to give me the opportunity for a mortgage. And if I meet only one person in 99, because it's the one person in the room that I can get, get, get to do my job with, that is a successful evening. If I meet 99 other people that will never need a mortgage, never want a mortgage, that's not within their brain, then I'm not, if you think about it from parse, you know, if 
if I go into a room with 100 people, I want the person who at least has a driver's license. I don't want 99 people who don't have a driver's license. All right, you can say, well, there's an opportunity. Sure, one day they'll get a driver's license and I'll go meet them in that room and then I'll talk to them at that time. But right now I'm talking to the person who has a driver's license because I'm selling that person the car. No one else is buying a car if they don't have a license. All right, so that's where you gotta really look at it. Um, know, your, know, your, know your client, know where they are, meet them where they are at their, at their part of this equation. And be willing to do things that don't commit, right? Be willing to send out some scenarios. You don't have to, let's be honest, we don't have to pull credit. I don't have to get your pay stubs and bank statements to give you an idea of at least what I can offer you. I mean, I can ask you, we're all smart enough to ask the right questions and qualify that, hey, listen, Kathy, you said your 750 credit score, you got about 10% to put down on the $700,000 home. Um, your W-2 income, great. You know, here's what I can do based on the information you provided. Compare me against somebody else, and and be completely genuine, guys. I mean, if you're going to go that route, you put your foot, you put your best foot forward first. Meaning that, don't kind of play coy. Don't be in a situation. Oh well, this person can do a little bit better. Um, well, here's my best. Oh, well, this person came in a little better. Oh, all right, well, I can do a little bit better because you're 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 going to kill that deal before you even get started. If you give your best, um, then just live you know, live with the consequences of it. Uh, but that you know. I know there's a ton of other objections out there. I think that these are probably the most, most common ones that I've heard. Um, I do a lot of lead generation type stuff, so I kind of wanted to use it from that perspective, um, not from the perspective of, of referral sources or family, because they're easy. Um, I think that objections in those cases, it really is just solidifying the relationship, being honest, and treating them like a stranger. Don't take for granted that it's because your family, they're going to put up with your bullshit. Right, not calling them back or whatever, you know. Craig and I, Craig's my brother, man. I, I'll call him when I get to him. I really got to talk to Mario or Marcy before I call my. You know what? Craig is just like anybody else. Where you know, when you're doing your business, your business is business, your personal is personal. And if you still, if, if you're treated that way, your friends become, you know, become your clients, your family becomes your clients. Um, treated that way, people that are strangers become your friends and they become your clients. Some really great points, Spike. I just, I, I love the idea of it's dating, right? So when you're, you just put your best foot forward. It's as good as you get on the date, right? So when you're quite talking left, to somebody on right. that first conversation, come in strong because if that doesn't go well, chances of getting across the finish line to the wedding, slim to none. So that analogy, I think, is something we can all embrace and think about how you always put your first best foot forward on that first conversation, because it does set the precedence going forward. But then don't let up the gas either. I, I, I've gotten input sometimes like I've, I've had clients where I've, what I've heard was why I got the loan was the guy was great to begin with. And then when I went into escrow, they just sort of disappeared. It's like they won and then they left the game. Like, no, you just got the ball. You start running with it. Don't don't drop the ball once they get into contract. So um, great, great, great stuff. I just absolutely love it. All right, Mr. Dawes, I know you have some stuff to share with us that I thought was real interesting about sort of preempting the objection on the front end. So can you share that with us? Sure. Boy, following these guys, I, I don't, <laughs> this is a tall order here. Superstars, uh, right? We got the best of the best. We do. Um, so I'm, I'm a kind of a mindset person. I, I've got to get myself in the right mental place 
when I'm talking to these people, um, especially rate shoppers, uh, because there's a loud naysayer voice back here that groans every time I get one of these people on the phone. So my mindset, the way that I frame my mindset is, is by trying to put that person who I'm talking with uh, into a perspective. Uh, so my personal perspective is it's, it's my best friend's 77-year-old grandma or it's my best friend's 22-year-old first-time homebuyer daughter. And my best friend, he, he knows somebody else that works at a bank. And that's where she has her banking. So he's going to refer his daughter or his grandma to me. And he's also going to refer his daughter or his grandma to that other banker. I know this coming into it. She's calling me. She's picking up the phone. As soon as she hangs up with me, she's going to go and call that other guy. So now that I put that person in that perspective... Um, what would my best friend expect of me if it was his 77-year-old grandma or 22-year-old first-time homebuyer daughter and per personally think that he would want me to educate, right? Um, teach them how to shop because they, they probably don't have any idea. Everybody just calls and they're just doing the best they can asking about rate. That, that's all they know. They don't know to ask about anything else. So they're asking what they think is the smartest question in the book, which is what's your rate? And I, I'm fine with answering that question. I like answering that question. Um, but I always wait until we're sort of trailing off towards the end of the conversation after we've talked about rate. Um, and I like to say, hey, you know, I appreciate that you're calling and you're asking about interest rate. And I know that this is probably the most important thing, that monthly payment's very important. Um, but you forgot to ask one really important question. And you have to pause, right? And most of the time, these people are like, holy crap, what did I forget, right? I thought I was doing everything I'm supposed to. Well, everybody forgets to ask about fees. What are your fees? Um, and I like to use the gas price analogy. You know, when you're when you're driving down the street, going to gas station to gas station, they're all within about a penny of each other, roughly. If you call five different mortgage lenders, we should be pretty close to each other, mortgage industry wise. Uh, Barbara, I don't have the level of competition that you do uh, with traditional banks. So you call five different guys in my market, we're all within about an eighth of each other, if they're being honest with the client. And I said, so listen, if you're driving down the street and you see a gas station and that, that gas price is a dollar per gallon. Are you going to pull your car in there and start pump, trying to pump it? No, you know that thing is closed, right? That gas station closed 100 years ago. Gas ain't been a dollar a gallon since I don't know when. There should be a red flag that comes up when you're calling multiple people. We're all at 6.4, 6.4, 6.4. And then there's a guy, 5.75. Oh, right. If you don't know better, you dive right in and think that's my guy. He's got the lowest rate. But if you don't know to ask about his fees, you won't find out until it's too late that his fees are $10,000 more expensive than ours. So you've got to piggyback that question of rate also with fees. That's part of the education piece, right? Is helping them understand that, that rates should be relatively consistent among lenders. Again, market specific. I'm not in Barber's market. Helping them understand it's great that you're asking about rate. Commend them for asking that, but also remind them that fees are very important to ask about. Um, and then finally, you know, the, the, the challenge has to do with the level of service that you get 
when you choose the cheapest thing. Um, and I still struggle with the best way to articulate this. Maybe one of you can give me a tip on this. Uh, but you know, when, when you're, when you're shopping for something, anything else in life, literally anything, a caterer for your wedding, having a baby at a hospital, uh, buying a bottle of bourbon, in my case, the cheapest one generally has some form of negative connotation that's associated with it. But for some reason in mortgage, the cheapest one is the one that everybody thinks they want to go with. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to articulate that to these people that that cheapest one could really result in a lot of heartache for them during that mortgage process while they're buying. Um, and I, I actually say to most people, I probably am not going to be the cheapest, but I can guarantee you that I have the best reviews of anybody that you will search. I've got the best and most reviews. And I guarantee you that the process with me will feel good and will be stress-free. No, not the cheapest. Yes, the best, stress-free and easiest. You've got to make the decision whether you want the cheapest or whether you want this to be an easy process. Um, so there's been people who've called me and I've educated them on rates, on fees, using the gas station yeah. analogy, talking about cheapest. Oh, and no. they come, they call me back and I'm yeah. not the cheapest, but I'm within an eight of someone else. And they've chosen me because I'm within an eight. Um, just because I took the time to educate them like they were my best friend's 22 year old first time home by our daughter. Right. Um, that's it. Hope that helps. Great stuff. Austin, do you have any follow-up questions for anyone? Uh, maybe not a follow-up question, but I do have a follow-up point, and I learned this from one of my um, uh, loan officers recently, uh, and I thought it was awesome. So he went and found, he, like, he gets shopped all the time. Like, he's he lives in that in a nice area of town. Like, that's where his business comes from. Uh, and uh, so he went and found the the lenders that are close to us, right? The calibers, the, we have Ruoff in our neighborhood, which is kind of a, a bigger local one. Uh, and, and, and we know that we can beat them in price. We know that we can beat them. And so when he knows someone is shopping, he actually directs them to those two or those three. And he says, Hey, look, you're going to want to go find a reputable company. Fairways reputable. Here are two other that are. And then he starts naming some that aren't right. And those are usually those, the, you know, the bottom basement rate type places. And so he points those out as well. So he's getting ahead of it. He's telling them where to shop and already knowing that we compete very aggressively already with those two or three or four other uh lenders so um i thought that was i thought that was excellent too so um uh you know we have no jake today uh so jake is actually um he apologized but he had a uh outside the office appointment uh senator jake on this call but i do want to bring in pistol uh pistol you there buddy I see you're on me uh, i have to apologize because i'm not very high tech okay that's all right austin and he gave me a bunch of numbers, and I finally figured it out how to get on the call. So I, I missed uh, uh, Pierce's call uh, remarks, which uh, I'm sorry, but uh, Craig. Don't worry, we're going to send out the uh, we're going to send out the recording to everybody. You can always okay. go back and listen. Okay, super. Uh, but Craig was terrific. He talks about the client experience, and he's working on more than one loan with them. Then he talks about HomeBot, and he says. Uh, you stay in, stay in contact with both the realtor and the buyer and really just keep doing what you're doing is great. 
Mike was terrific because he says he respects the opportunity to engage with somebody and talk with them. And he says, uh, talk a little bit more so you can learn a little bit more. And he said, when he goes out to a group of 100, he wants to talk to somebody that can benefit from his service. And it's all about building uh, our reputation and relationships. And of course, William is great. He talks about his working with everybody's his best friend, engage him, talk about fees. And then you can mention all the number of reviews that he's had, you know, as compared to somebody else. I will say one more thing a little different is that Peter Beanland yesterday had Allison Lewis on a call. Those of you that were at uh, Keep Playing 22, Allison was on there, uh, also presented. And then she presented on her call yesterday, and she's the seven-minute life daily planner. And that call was recorded, and I think there's a way. Again, I'm not too high tech, but you could get her planner and do it. But just basically what she said, and it's very, when she went to do what this planner contains, her business increased over 60%. So I think everybody would like to see some amount of increase in that. And she got to the basics because when she was, a, I'll call it a stockbroker or financial planner, the average number of calls one of those people was making a day was nine. She said that's one an hour. She went to three or four an hour and she became one of the top uh, for Morgan Stanley as, as a realtor. So just do it. Just keep asking, keep working, and most of all, have fun. And Kathy, one more thing. How are the green sneakers? All good. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, Pistol. Appreciate hey, you, man. Uh, hey, Pistol, you don't have a saying for us? Hey, can I ask a question before Pistol gives a saying? Yeah. It's a question that I know everybody on this 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 Zoom call and every other Zoom call has probably wondered. Pistol, how is it you still have helium in those balloons behind you? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, you'll have to talk to the girls that gave them to me. Uh, I don't know what that what that deal was. Uh, but let me get let me get. I got. I, we're always talking about, and everybody talks about it, whether it's mindset, attitude, or mental toughness. So Vince Lombardi says this is the shortest quote that I've ever seen of his. Mental toughness is essential to success. Very simple. So thanks again. Thank and I'll keep the balloons up. And if I only have to put a nine after it next year, then that eight could last for two years. That's, thanks a lot. Yeah. Keep them, keep them, right? You're, you'll eventually come back around to those numbers. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pistol. Thank you, Pierce. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, DJ Dawes. Remember, everybody, we have business planning. It is free. The links are in the chat. You can always go to fairwayignite.com. You can email me directly. We will get you signed up. Uh, the uh, total expert has an invite you can send out to your realtors. Get a thousand realtors on this thing. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Kathy, I know you have a plane to catch. I will see you soon. Uh, and everyone have a good rest of your Thursday. Thanks so much.